Hey family, it's so good to have you join us this morning. You know, we've been going through a series uh, called Teach Us to Pray. And the heart behind this whole conversation is for us to get back to the basics of what prayer is. And then I hope you've been noticing that, that we, we're not trying to make prayer complicated. We're basically just trying to say, let's oversimplify, if I'm to use that word, what prayer is. Because we have made prayer a little bit more complicated. You know, here at Florida, our vision is for us to awaken hope in the city, uh, but also the spaces that God allows us to go and, and when we understand that our vision is so huge, we cannot do it without prayer, we get to understand who actually is doing that vision. It's God that gave us our vision, and we want to be present in the city, empowered by God, and able to connect with God through prayer, because God has invited us to trust Him and to live our lives in the spaces He's called us to. So, you know, we've been going through uh, Matthew chapter 6. This is where we find the template of what prayer is. This is where Jesus uh, is answering the question, uh, what is prayer and how do we pray? And, and that is really important uh, because sometimes we think we pray a certain way. We pray in a certain standard, but Jesus just simplifies prayer and makes prayer about intentionally making our needs known to God, like coming before God and intentionally saying, this is where I am, this is who I am, and this is what's going on. One of our core values here at Flood is come as you are. And what we mean by that is that we want you to really, really come before God the way you truly are. So if that day you're heartbroken, if all the things that are going on in the world, the racism, the coronavirus, uh, poverty, hunger, all these other things that are breaking your heart and you're coming before God, we don't want you to pretend as if you're not carrying that weight. If you're going through a painful relationship uh, breakdown or just life is a little bit complicated, we want you to come to God like that because we tend to want to come to God after we have fixed things. And the reality of the cross is a cross is a statement that you can't unless God fixed stuff for you. We live in a broken world. We live in a complicated world. And Jesus is our help in the midst of all that. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, what it looks like to trust Jesus and to let him work through us in crazy, intense ways. The Bible says this. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows that you need all these things before you even ask. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And last week, we looked at what that phrase means. It's basically God has revealed himself to us, that his name is holy, his name is powerful, he is kind, that when we look at the name of the Lord, we find our strength. When we look at the name of the Lord, we understand that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run in and they're safe, that we find our safety, our protection, our identity in the name of the Lord, not in the names of our problems, not in the names of our struggles, not in the name of our fears. Because sometimes as humans, we love to identify ourselves as the as people that are struggling with this or as the people that are this or that. And, and the name of the Lord humbles every other name because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So God invites us to see 
that Jesus is the one that holds all things together, that when we are praying, every other name is humbled before the name of the Lord. Because the, above all things, God has exalted his name and his word, and we trust him for who he is. So last week we saw that the Lord revealed himself to us by his name, the name that's sanctified, that's set apart, that's sacred, that we cannot add to the holiness of the name of God, but we can we can be in wonder, we can promote it, we can glorify it, we can proclaim it because it's a name that brings salvation. That the desire of our heart is to fully know that God is above all things. That when we're praying and that aligns with our needs, we humbly request, we bring our anxieties to God because he cares. Because when God is revealed as a God who cares for us, then there's no need for us to hold on to our anxieties. If we hold on to our anxieties, it's because maybe we have the name of the Lord that does not care. But when God is revealed to us as a God that fully and truly cares, then there's no gripping to the prayers we let go. We say, God, here I am. This is a mind. I'm coming to you as I am with all my messed upness, with all the complicated things. And this is who I am. You know, one of the things that I love about uh, prayer is a lot of people want to pray. We know we need to pray. But somehow it's a little bit heavy. Uh, there are a lot of things that we feel like we cannot pray because we don't know too much or we don't know as much, we don't have the formula. We don't have the how-tos. And Jesus is just like, if you're going to pray, it's not a competition. Prayer is just a child of God coming before the Father who is kind, gracious, and all-powerful. It's literally our place of understanding that prayer allows us to <laughs> to know God and know ourselves, to know our fears, to know our struggles, to know where we are truly are so that God takes his place. Ravi said this, the purpose of prayer and of God's call in your life isn't to make you number one in the world's eyes, but to make him number one in your life. But at the end of the day, prayer is about us making God number one. Because if you're like me, you want to be number one. And even the moments you don't want to be number one, sometimes they are of fake humility. Sometimes. Of my left hand and my right hand needs to be seen. That I'm, I'm the humble one. I'm the awesome one. So the Bible continues. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I want to say it a little bit more on the your kingdom come because just that statement, that statement has implications. Now, the truth about kingdoms, and a lot of us have read about that Maravi kingdom or whatever kingdoms that we know of, we know that a kingdom has a king, and the king is the one that reigns. And, and you know. One of the things that we can look here in Malawi specifically is that we live in villages, right? We live with, we live with chiefs. We have people that are running things and the TAs and everyone in our circles 
understand that I am from this place, T.A. Soto, and I'm under that. And uh, to an extent, we, if you have stayed here, you understand that people will uh, identify them a little bit more, identify themselves a little bit more with the places they're coming from. Because when they introduce themselves that I am from T.A. Malingachanzi, in Kodagoda, Chitumbi village. It's like, okay, that's where I identify myself from. This is where I feel I am from. This is where I know I am from. That The idea of being part of the kingdom <laughs> is so crazy because as someone that has moved all over the place, when people ask me, where are you from? I stay in Blanta. But I'm like, originally, I am from... Kota Kota, I am from Nchisi. Because there's this idea of where I am from is quite important, no matter how far I go, no matter wherever I go. Now, I'm not underestimating culture and race. These are crucial things. God put you in those places for a great, honoring, diverse reason. Because there's so much beauty in that, despite us as human beings, sitting down and looking down on other human beings and thinking, oh, blacks are not human enough, or Asians are not human enough, or this race or that race, which is heartbreaking to what the kingdom is about. The kingdom of God brings together all people because all people were made by God equally, fully human and fully diverse. That was God's idea. And somehow... When we understand that, we are able to be freed from identifying ourselves to be something else than what God has called us to be. Now, the implications of this kingdom come is the reality of we live in kingdoms. You're either in the kingdom of God or you're not in the kingdom of God. Now, this, this is a little bit hard. These kingdoms operate different. These kingdoms have different values. These kingdoms have different pursuits. One kingdom is great. The other kingdom is built on selfishness, on sin, on betrayal. The other kingdom is built on sacrifice, is built on love, is built on kindness, is built on what true love is. The other kingdom is literally life about Self, nothing much, nothing less. That's a kingdom, the Bible says, the kingdom of light. Another kingdom is a kingdom of darkness. And as far as we're in the kingdom of God, we're living on the earth where we interact with the kingdom of darkness. And, and in this kingdom, there's pollution, there's sin, there's misery. The, the kingdom of darkness that is ignorance. Now, I just have to pause there. Because there's ignorance, because there's pollution, because there's misery, that's why we find things like racism. So if you say you're part of the kingdom of God and your lifestyle is about ignorance of what it means to be human and who are humans, what it means to be in the image of God, fully in the image of God, 
what it means to trust in the Lord, what it means to give people dignity, not because you are the ones who decide what dignity is about, but because it's God. It's because maybe you haven't understood what the kingdom of God is about. The other thing about the kingdom of darkness is not just as ignorance, as pollution and misery. Uh, being in a kingdom of God and, and being on earth and, and living this life with my failing body means that I am fighting. But I'm fighting deeper things. The Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities. And what that means is we fight against powers that are driven by agendas of a dark kingdom. And those powers look at other humans and want to make profit out of other humans. That you look at other humans and feel like they're less human, therefore as a Malawian who has power, you can get away with stealing the resources that are supposed to elevate them. Because of that, God says, let the kingdom come. Because you are fighting the kingdom of darkness that's polluted, that is so much built on misery, on trying to hurt life. And I know as I'm speaking, there's so many things that are being triggered. There's so much hurt. I'm sure you have seen. I'm sure you're experiencing. I'm sure you have suppressed because it was so painful, you don't even want to think about it. So when God says your kingdom come, God is recognizing that we are fighting principalities of slavery, of pride, of arrogance, of making life about self, about a race, about an, an ethnic group, about the Chewas, about the Lomans, about the Tumbukas. Come on, we are created by God and God has brought us together and made us to live in a culture together. And, and that does not mean we have to ignore <laughs> the things other races and other cultures and other ethnic groups have endured. Because sometimes we preach a little bit more about restor, uh, reconciliation when we need to talk about restoration. Because re reconciliation is like we were on the same level and we worked together and then something happened that broke us. Now we have to come together and reconcile. Restoration means we were never on the same level. And some of us who are Chewas that have overlooked the Tumbukas and the Lomas, or some of us who are the Lomas that have overlooked the Chewas and the Tumbukas and the Yawas and the Ngonis, we, we need to recognize our sin. We need to recognize that we have worked on principles of the kingdom of darkness, not of the kingdom of God. Like, you cannot be a Christian and be xenophobic. And say, my fellow friends from Zalega, refugee camp, are not as human. Because right now with the racial tensions all over the world, we're forgetting the xenophobic attacks that we can harbor in as black people. Now, I don't want to digress into those conversations or undermine what's happening in the U.S. or what has happened to black people. Man, that is disgusting. That is painful. That's the thing we need to, re to address as churches, as kingdoms, as a charismatic movement, as a reformed movement, as a Jesus movement. We need to address these things. But at the 
end of the day, we will only address them well when we look at what the kingdom of God is about. So from there, we see God's invitation of when we pray, your kingdom come. What that means and what that looks like. Because unless the kingdom of God come, our purest offerings before God are defiled. We have no right to be in a relationship with God. We are exposed to the wrath of God. We are exposed to the kingdom of darkness and its ways. If we don't let God's kingdom come, we are exposed to eternal death. We are eternally separated from God. Our purest offerings are so toxic and we have no comfort. We have no comfort. We have no comfort. Now, why should we pray your kingdom come? Wesley Hill has written a book that I'm really, really enjoying to read. And this is some of his thoughts on on why we should pray your kingdom come. And he says, when we pray your kingdom come, what we are saying is, Father, let us see in the present more and more signs that the war you have won against the powers that corrupt and enslave your world is nearing its end. It's nearing its consummation. That when we pray, let your kingdom come, we're saying, Jesus, the, the work you did on the cross, we want to see it in the injustices in Malawi, the injustices in our neighborhoods, the injustices in our hospitals, the injustices in our police, the injustices in our country. Let your kingdom come. In other words, we're saying, let your love come. Let your kindness overtake the pain. Let your grace cover us. Let your holiness, holiness, your goodness, your pure and corruptible holiness Take over in these places where there's misery, where there's pollution, where there's pain, where there's anguish. Because those places are places where either we are going through or our friends are going through, our relatives are going through, fellow humans are going through those places. So when we're praying, let your kingdom come. We're just saying, God, we know the world has not fully experienced what the death and resurrection of your son means. So we want them to have a piece of that. We want that forgiveness. We want that restoration of what it means to be humanized. We want the restoration. When other people look at blacks and dehumanize, we want the restoration of we are fully the image of God. We want restoration. Give us more tangible previews of that great day when death will be swallowed up in victory. That's what it means to say, Jesus, let your kingdom come. Wesley also says, help us see that Jesus' resurrection isn't just a one-off event, but will sweep us along in its wake so that we will share in his transformation. And sometimes we can forget that. Jesus is making us more like him. Jesus is making us more like him. And when the world is a little bit hard, it can feel like that's not a reality. It can feel like that is something that will not happen. So what do we do? Do we panic? 
Do we stay hopeless? No. We pray, let your kingdom come. Because I cannot fabricate coolness. I cannot fabricate what joy is. I cannot fabricate. I cannot make these things up. It's only until your kingdom come in our spaces, in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our government. That's when we're going to experience the joy, the peace of being people, of what it means to be loved by a God that is holy. That's when we're going to experience that. But up until then, we allow the kingdom of darkness to reign. So Jesus says, when you pray, I want you to pray, let your kingdom come. Because the kingdom of God brings together all people. The kingdom of God saves all people. The kingdom of God empowers all people. The kingdom of God restores all people. The kingdom of God loves all people. So when we pray, let your kingdom come, we're inviting Jesus We invited God's conquest of his rebellious world to say it was achieved that Jesus is no longer in the grave. Yet suffering continues and we go on longing for an end that isn't yet public and universal. So we pray, let your kingdom come. We pray, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Why is that important? Because as believers, we are encouraged. We are encouraged because now we are part of God's kingdom that is powerful. We're part of God's kingdom. A kingdom run by a king that's holy and powerful. That won't be corrupted. His name is holy. That, that, that's our reality. That that's, that's for exhortation, man. Like we, we have to be encouraged in that. We have to be encouraged in that. That we're not in a kingdom that's failing or that has failed. Jesus is no longer in the grave. It's not like Jesus is in heaven and trying to figure out how to save us. No, no, no. He's done it. He said on the cross, it is done. It is finished. It is finished. So that's not only for our exhortation, but it's also for our instruction. Because now as agents of the kingdom of God, we go around bringing pieces of the kingdom of God to the places where we are. So where there's injustice, we bring a piece of the kingdom of God. And we stand up and we protect people and we fight for people, not because it's easy, not because it's nothing or people have photo ops. No, 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 no. Because we are part of a kingdom that's holy, that's kind, that fights for the weak. That says God, Micah 6, 8. He loves justice. He loves mercy. And that's what he's called us to do. That part of the mission of the church is to show mercy and to act justly. And somehow we read that and we go like, you know what? That is not safe for me. That is not, you know, they deserve it. If you're part of the kingdom, you are instructed to serve the king. And when a king sends you to do something, I'm sure it was Billy Graham that said it. 
You don't look at that as a sacrifice. You say, I'm honored to be sent by a king. And a lot of us, we're living in that. Oh my God, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to sacrifice. Yeah, it's hard. It's going to cost you something. Speaking up always costs you something. But don't you see how honored you are to take pieces of the kingdom of God to a broken world? (laughs) Isn't that amazing that God would consider you part of him bringing part of the kingdom down to broken places? Isn't that an honor to help widows, to help orphans? To help people that are less privileged? To help people that are weak? To help people that have been in places where they have suppressed and been depressed and been pushed down by the system? Isn't it an honor to partner with the holy God even when that might cost you? City Sturge said this, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice is great for me to make for him. And we got to align our lives to that because we build a Christianity of comfort so much that taking a stand for the kingdom of God looks like it's not from God. Maybe our culture has told us that as a Chewa, as a Ngoni, we get our way. As a Loma, as a Tumbuka, as a Nkonde, as a Manganja, you get your way. But the kingdom of God says, you consider others better than yourself. That's letting God's kingdom come. That's trusting in the Lord and not leaning on your own understanding. So we are instructed. We are encouraged. And we submit to him. As people that are comforted that the king of heaven pleads our case. That he will protect his people. That he will raise us up and deliver us. So where are you seeing a brokenness that is hurting you? That Jesus is inviting you to pray. Let your king come let your identity come let your kindness come let your salvation come where where is the brokenness that's hurting you where is the pain that's, that's just messing you up is it in marriages is it in work is it in schools is it in neighborhoods like where do you need to say God let your kingdom come let your healing, your salvation come. Let's pray. Jesus, let your kingdom come in our country, Milan. Let your kingdom come in our city, Blanta. Let your kingdom come in our families. Let your kingdom come in our hoods. Let your kingdom come, God, in our workplaces. Let your kingdom come in our relationships. Let your kingdom come in our police stations. Let your kingdom come in our government. Let your kingdom come, Jesus. 
for the sake of your name. Amen. I pray that the brokenness of this world will not overwhelm because God's kingdom is coming and it is here. And you can invite God to show up in those places that are overwhelming and are broken. Love you.